How's it going, everybody? It's In the Nosebleeds back. Got your host, Tristan. Got Henry with me here. What is poppin'? And then we've got a uh, special guest. Got Will in the Will in the booth with us today. So he's jo- uh, how's it going, guys? He's joining us through the phone here. Might uh, might be a more regular guest here now that we're starting to get back into things. It's been a long time. Been a long time. Yeah, we uh, we used up all of our reserve PTO and vacation time. <laughs> Took about to a make, year and a half off, <laughs> but we, we're we, back. We used that for five podcasts, and then we had to go off the map and work <laughs> our PTO back up. So now we're uh, now we're back, and we're doing a little uh, we're doing a little NBA talk. So like we t- told you guys, I mean, what it was almost two years ago now, huh? Yep. Like we told you guys last time, we were gonna do some uh, fantasy footballs, probably where all three of us are most comfortable. Um, yeah. We're both Henry and I, and and then Will along with us too. We watch. A good amount of NBA, um, so we're going to dive into the NBA sector a little bit too. And we've always kind of talked about Henry and I always would go back and forth about who we think is going to be big on this year's draft. And being Timberwolves fans, the sad part about it is we're always picking towards the top of the draft. So we <laughs> kind of exception. <laughs> yeah, this year is the one exception only because we traded it. But right. um, so we kind of thought at the same uh, lieu of our fantasy fantasy uh, podcast that it's just fun to kind of put. Uh, put our word on something and get it out there for future reference. We can go back and say, oh, yeah, I called this instead of just having our word to go off of. So with that being said, um, we're going to dive into it a little bit here. Today what we're going to do, we're going to have a little bit of a three-man mock, and we're probably only going to go lottery, probably about 15, so we each get five picks. We're going to have Will pick the first pick. Henry's going to be the two slot, and then Henry Will will be the fourth pick. Fifth, uh, Henry will be the fifth, so on and so forth. So I'm going to have the three pick. We're going to alternate going back and forth. So, um, Just one thing I want to know quick. Today is July 25th, a yeah. Sunday, and the draft is Thursday. So, so just a few in days case, before the draft. Yeah, just and, in case anything wild happens in between. Yep. And another thing, another thing we're going to point out, we had this conversation right before we started here of, are we going to do a mock draft? Because there's really two ways to do a mock draft. You can either do what you would do if you were the GM, or you can do what you think the the GM's going to do. We're going to do what we would do as a GM. So we're going to kind of put our own spin on it a little bit, make it a little more personalized. It's easy to say, okay, this team's probably going to do this, especially when you get in like the one through five picks. Right. It seems like they're right. kind of a lock. This mm-hmm. way it adds our own little twist to it of like, this is probably going to happen, but this is what I would do. So it makes it, again, a little more personal. So we look back and, you know, like Giannis years ago, we could say, oh, yeah, I said he was he should be a top right. five pick or whatever, whatever the case may be. Sure. So with that being said, let's uh, let's get right into it. Will, you want to lead us off? You got the first pick, the old Pistons. And yep. let's hold on. Before we get into this, do we want to factor in anything regarding trades like should they consider it a trade anything like that or do we just want to do a straight up mock draft let's just do a straight, straight up, up mock draft i think it gets yeah. kind of hazy I, I think it we... i think it does too you just you see a lot of stuff i actually just got a report here from bleacher saying that oklahoma city's looking to trade up which i mean they've traded so many assets or traded for so many draft picks the yeah. last few years makes sense. i think they, they have the, the picks tools. to move yeah they got the picks to move it makes sense though they've kind of they, i feel like they've gone about a rebuild the right way but that being said, we'll just leave it. Uh, we'll leave it to Will for the first pick. We'll keep everything kind of stationary where they are right now. You got the first pick. You're the Pistons. Who uh, who are you going with? Even Will? even though many teams, I believe, have called on that number one pick, 
I don't think the Pistons are going to listen to any calls, and because Kid Cunningham is going to be the number one pick. Yeah, I it's there's no debate about it. I don't think. I don't. He's I a, go ahead. Once in a, once in a, he's generational talent. Sure. Yeah, and I think the big thing, kind of to your point, there is I feel like the NBA rumor mill likes to talk us into believing that there's somebody going to be picked at a certain spot or there's somebody that might sneak up and, you know, steal that spot. Yeah. Gade Cunningham has been the number one pick last year. There was a lot of, I mean, even on draft night, we were all unsure of who was going to be the first pick for the wolves. And I think this year it's been kind of locked in. Cade Cunningham's the guy for the long haul. And I think it, it would be bad business for them to not listen to any of the trade offers. I feel like as a, as a GM, you have to listen. I don't think they're taking anything seriously unless they get a monster package to move up. I don't think they're taking it seriously and they need to rebuild. They need right. to start from, from block a and with the dynamic of the NBA and being able to trade draft picks and you can't trade back to back first round draft picks from the same team. It makes it tough to really get like a, you know, a big yeah. trade package where in the NFL, it's a little bit different. You can trade like five first round picks for whoever, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I, I a hundred percent agree with you. Well, I think, uh, I think it's, uh, there's not much to say about it. I don't. Yeah, no, a six, eight, you know, probably his best comparison is Luca. Yeah. Who's just torched the league the last couple of years. And obviously that's setting lofty expectations, right? We're not saying that he's going to be Luca. Right. It's just saying when you look at his physical attributes, his ability as a playmaker, his ability to be a three-level scorer, his shooting clicks, the guy shot 40% from deep on a team. And I think one thing that we always try and emphasize too is a lot of people put too much stock into March Madness, into how far a team goes. Oh, and we'll touch sure. more on a guy yeah. that I think there's a little bit of a disconnect, a guy that I'm not super high on here coming up, coming forth. Um, but just because he got bounced in, I think it was the Sweet 16, um, doesn't mean that he's not going to be like a high-level player is my point. Yeah. I mean, we see guys, Ja Morant, when he played in college, he he didn't make it all the way to the Final Four. I think there's too much stock sometimes put in, okay, this guy's – the number one draft picker. He's this high level product. He should be able to lead this team. It doesn't always work like yeah, that. There's many guys too. Like, I mean, one that pops into my mind is like Frank Kaminsky who just, his stock rose like 15 picks and gets overdrafted. And then happens every year. Yeah. You regret it. Yeah. Happens every year. So again, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about with him. He's, I mean, watch any film on him and you'll yeah, see. Just deleted everything. Like you compared him to Luka Doncic. I think six, eight point guard is, Kind of the move, no? Yeah. In the NBA, the, the big point guard. Guard there. all three positions. Yep. Yep. Guard all three positions, all. and a guy that can shoot that well, a six eight guy that can shoot that well, defend that well, move that well, is tough mm-hmm. to come by. I know it is Get obviously. The rim. Yeah, it's more and more. You know, it's increasing in uh, popularity lately, the past few years. But I mean, I think if we would have looked back five, ten years ago and said we're going to have point guards being drafted in the top five that are six foot eight. We probably would have laughed at ourselves yeah. a little bit, but uh, yeah, he's a he's a stud. He's a monster. I don't see any reason why he's not going to be elite at the next level. So right. I think uh, with that being said, you got the second pick in the Rockets. Yes, sir. All right. So I think that they would go the same way I'm going to. Okay. They already have a big there. I have my two and three on my big board, really close in Mobley and Jalen Green. Yep. But I think I would go Jalen Green. I like it. I, I like he's it. He's got superstar potential, crazy athlete. Um, proved he can do it against 
the highest level possible at the time in the G League. Um, and I think, honestly, I think he could really turn out to be a scoring champion with his like, skill set. Yeah. I, no, I, I like that a lot. Jalen Green, I mean, we've, been, we've talked about it a lot. Jalen Green's one of my guys. I think when it comes down to that level of productivity against that level of players, and right. I think one thing just quickly to touch on, and I kind of this is a question for both you guys, now with the G League increasing in popularity and we've got these big contracts going to these G League guys, and now obviously obviously we all know the news with the NCAA being able to like yeah with I think it's partially due to things like the G League and these yeah. other avenues of 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 right. revenue for these guys. Um, but do you think that the G League? What do you think competition wise is more impressive when a guy goes to the G League and dominates, or I mean Jalen Green? was incredible in the G League, 18 points a game, four rebounds, three assists, and he shot almost 37% from deep. Or do you think it's more impressive in like a big school, like a Kentucky or a Duke, or the, where they dominate? Um, I think me personally, I would rather see it in the G League. Yeah. And I think, I think opinions would differ a lot on that, but I think the average skill level in the G League is higher than the average skill level for sure, that, for sure. I think everybody in the G League probably torched college. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you have elite level. You also have similar game style to the NBA that you can more easily project at that level. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll find out. No, I agree with you. I, I what Do you kind of agree with that, Will? Yeah, I would say that G League is obviously better, more com- better competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's probably... Better fit for the NBA than out of college. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think, I guess the biggest reason I ask, I think it's it's kind of, you know, a, a no-brainer that there's better competition in the G League. But I think in the last few years since these all-star, I, I shouldn't call them all-star level players yet, but these, these high-level, these high-caliber players are going to these other avenues, it's starting to get more and more, I guess, more and more like GMs are taking that in as like, into consideration like they're, they're not passing these guys off we've seen a lot of really high level guys that yeah. other avenues outside of college basketball right. that have kind of been overlooked and i feel like now we're starting to see this as more like received well by gms i think i think lamello kind of made a turn on that a little bit he didn't play in the g league but going and playing overseas i mean i think brandon jennings was kind of one of the first guys to do that and yeah. He he torched overseas, came here. He did well his first couple of years, and I, I'm sure a lot of Bucks fans know Brandon Jennings, but he he was a good player in the NBA for a few years. So I think I think it's, it is making a turn where I think ultimately to average, it ends up where if you're playing against better competition, it doesn't really matter where it is. I, I think that's why, like, even though Luca didn't play in the G-, G League, he obviously played in the professional basketball league over there overseas. Yeah, and that's why he translated so well to the NBA. No, right. for sure. And I mean, the, people have done this for a long time, right? I mean, not all that long ago, but guys like Emmanuel Moutier playing out of state, and there's yeah. been a lot of guys that have done it. I just feel like now it's starting to get. If if yeah. Jalen Green goes second, I feel like that's got to be. At least in in recent memory that I that I can remember, the highest pick out of any player outside of college basketball since, you know, the guys were coming out of high school. Like, 
LeBron right. and those, you know, that style of guys that, that I can think foreign, of. Right. I, that? I said that weren't foreign. Yeah. Like I can think of like Bargnani and Bogut. Yep. yep. But I mean, besides like international players, I would say, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's uh, get right into the third pick here. And I think it makes a little bit of sense. I, I will say it's, it's tough. I think the Cavs, the Cavs probably have one of the toughest times in this draft, just because I feel like they're a team that's built better than they perform. You've got the two guards in yep. Sexton and Garland. Yep. You've still got Kevin Love there. They've got the pieces, I feel like, that they should be a better team than they are. So on paper, it seems like they don't need as much as they probably right. do need. So I'm total, I'm curious where they're going to end up going because I think they could go one of two ways. If they do decide to trade Sexton, they might end up going a guard here. But I think the 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 best man available you got to go with when you're a team like the Cavs, I think they're going Evan Mobley. He's a guy that I feel like projects well to the next level. He can play. He, I think he can have a real high impact in both facets of the game, offensively and defensively, but he's not going to be required to be that go-to guy on the offensive side because they have so many other scoring options and defensive impact, I mean, off the charts. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Kevin Love is probably headed towards a buyout, if I had to guess, on that team. So I think... I mean, if you slide in Mobley at power forward, you probably have him playing alongside Jared Allen. Yeah, and it sounds like they want Jared Allen to stay there for the long haul. Yeah. That's what it, I mean, that's what reports have said. So that would be... Yeah, a roster of Garland, Sexton, Okoro, last year's first-round pick, Yep. and then Mobley, and then Allen. That's That sounds like success in the future, especially in the East. Yeah, and I think another thing, I guess... To point out here quick, just touching on the Cavs, is you and I talked about this not all that long ago. I think this is kind of a make-or-break year for them in the sense of they've given Sexton plenty of opportunity. Yeah, between Sexton and Garland, it's they're going to have to pick soon if they yeah. pay him or not. Well, I mean, let's say they don't move Kevin Love. Let's say they draft Evan Mobley, and it obviously seems like they're kind of log-jammed at that position, at the big position. But they're chock full of talent, at least in their front five, their starting five. Yeah, they should. I mean, they should be able to perform. Right. I feel like they're starting to run out of excuses. I guess is my point. If they don't perform well this year, I feel like it. One of those guys, more than likely, Sexton's going to be on the move. Sure. So let's uh, let's jump into the fourth pick. And Will, you've, uh, you've got the you've got the floor. Unless there was something else you wanted to touch on, Evan Mobley here. No, I. Uh, it actually, in my mock, I had. Uh, Cleveland going in a different direction, which uh, would mean Colin Sexton's on the move. But okay, okay. I like that. Yeah, it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me if he is. To be honest, like I, I mean, I feel, I feel like they kind of want Garland. I, I think I don't know if Garland's super well suited to play the two. I mean, I know he's a good right. scorer, but I think he's going to be better with the ball in his hands. And I feel like Sexton and him aren't going to coexist super well. I mean, they didn't really incredibly well last year. But again, I mean, time will tell. Just to clarify, who did you have going three? Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Um, I had Jalen Suggs going number three. Okay. okay, well, he's still on the board for pick number four. Who uh, who do you got with the Raptors? And that's, that's who I would, if I was the Raptors, I would take Jalen Suggs because I think uh, there's four players in the draft that stand away from everybody else. There's four, four players that are just better than the rest, and... I think Jalen Suggs could pair with uh, Freddie. 
Freddie Van Vliet, yep, in the Raptors, and he can shoot the ball like Freddie. And he may not be the best uh, score all around scorer, but he's a winner. Yeah, proven he, winner, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, he he was from Minnesota too, and so yeah. we all saw him dominate down in the cities. So, and then he went to Gonzaga, dominated there. I mean, the dude, dude hits half quarters for the win. So he's a winner. <laughs> that's for sure. I like it. <laughs> You want to talk more uh, more about him before I start tearing it down a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, I I see Suggs as like a Jason Kidd type player, like stat stuffer. doesn't doesn't kill it on the perimeter, but he can definitely score, and he's got decent mid range. Um, so statistically, I think they're similar. For a smaller guard, he plays with great energy great defensively so I, I don't think he'll lack there but I think there there's maybe a chance that you know of of the four guys I think if I had to pick one that might just be a good NBA player and not great I think it would mm-hmm. probably be Suggs but I, I I'm just a killer with shooters like if you can't shoot going into the league it's one of those things where it's kind of make or break. It's tough. It's tough to play at an elite, at an elite level if you can't shoot. I mean, you've seen guys that are elite at everything, like Ricky Rubio, but shooting, and it's it's definitely killed his career. And like many people saw Rubio as being like a a stud, and like when we drafted him, the Wolves drafted him. Everybody said if he figures out the shooting, he's gonna be nasty, but. He has figured out the shooting slightly, but it's only as a set shooter. And as a point guard, being able to pull up off the dribble is huge. So if he adds that to his game, it's going to, I mean, he's got all-star potential. But I think that's kind of a big if at this point. And I'm glad you clarified as a point guard because we just saw, you know, arguably one of the most dominant you know, <laughs> finals Giannis. with Giannis. Yeah. So, but I think hey, he shot lights out on free throws. So. <laughs> he did. He really stepped it up <laughs> big know. time. But I think at that position, a hundred percent, you just need to be a high level scorer in all three levels to really be an elite NBA player. Right. And and honestly, Will, I don't mind the pick at all. I've been I've been in the camp of I'm kind of anti Jalen Suggs. I've been anti Jalen Suggs for a long time, and it's not not anti, anti, just anti the value. Anti the value. I think, (laughs) in my opinion, I think there's three real gems of this draft class. I think going into it, a lot of of hype was built up that this is like the deepest draft class ever. This is the the LeBron, D Wade, Chris Bosh. This is like the best class of all time. When we when the Timberwolves made that that trade for D'Lo. Everybody was like, how could they do that? This is like a, stock, a stacked draft class. Right. I think there's three gems, and we listed them one, two, and three in the draft. And I think there's a dip. And, and this is not to say that Jalen Suggs isn't going to be a good NBA player. I think that he will be. But I think... It's more of a tier list. It's like, a tier list. Yeah, it's, like it, there's, the top tier, tier is, sure. is those three guys. And I think they got drafted <laughs> in perfect order. I think a big like Evan Mobley deserved to be the third on that list. But I think Suggs is the start of another tier for me. He's the start of that second tier. And the big thing for me, he's a solid three-point shooter. He's a solid shooter, but there were times, and again, he played for 
the Zags. So he, he could disappear at times and not be like penalized for it. Yeah, yeah, he didn't have to be the guy. He didn't have to be the guy all the time. So you have to cut him a little bit of slack for that. He's incredibly athletic. He made some big shots that that uh, jump that bank shot from <laughs> against UCLA from deep to win it. Um, and he's a high level passer. Like one of the things in my film that I watched that he did incredibly well, which you, you just don't see all that often in the NBA, is the drop pass. Where he would like drive the lane, he'd drop drop it at the three yeah. point line, somebody would scoop it and and make it hopefully. And he was incredible he was just incredible at that. The big thing with me, there are a few things that I didn't love that I saw on tape. He wasn't always careful with the ball. Sometimes he over dribbled and he got himself into trouble. He almost tried to play like hero ball. He would over dribble. It would lead to turnovers. He averaged around three turnovers a game, and he in 11 games he had four-plus turnovers. And again, he was kind of the dominant ball handler. He was one of the premier ball handlers for that team. But he wasn't always careful with the ball, and he doesn't really have like a diverse handle skill set. He often seemed, seemed like he tried to use his, his quickness because of his lack of size, and he had this hesitation move that he would go to. And if guys were on his hip and he was able to get by him, then great. But if they if if they were able to stay in front of him, he would often he would like go to his spin move and then he'd lose the ball. I saw that time and time again. He's pretty streaky offensively. Like I said, if he's like in his zone, he's a monster offensively. He can really light it up if he's in his zone. I think the big thing for me is I just wonder if he'll be able to use his like quickness and his strength as effectively at the NBA level against more length. Yeah, and bigger dudes. And bigger dudes. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's the big thing for me, honestly. I just I feel like he's a little bit overhyped. I think he he is kind of like you said, he's a stat stuffer, and I don't think he's going to be a bad NBA player. But a six four guy with a six five wingspan, you know, it's comparable to maybe maybe the light version. But I think Russell Westbrook is kind of a comparison, but but like the point five. Yeah, he's like, I mean he's freaky athletic. Doesn't consistently shoot very well. That yeah. kind of forced to shoot mid range, so it, I'm definitely not saying he's going to be the triple double king, yeah, like Russell. But he's, I think he's kind of on that same level. But I mean, we're getting picky because when you start looking at the guys behind him, it's like, do you? It's hard to move him back for me. Here's the thing: like, I have wow. him right here as well. Yeah. Last thing I'll say about him for me: I think he's one of the safer players. I, that's why I think he's in yeah. this tier. He's a he's a pretty <laughs> safe player. But I don't think he has the same upside as some of these other guys that are sure. behind him. But he, he's, I mean, defensively, he's a dog. He, I think he lacks, I, I know he lacks some of that size to be elite at that position. I mean, a 6'5 wingspan, I, he's not going to be able to multi-position guard at the NBA level. But he could be a high-level defender, I think, at mm. the one or the two spot. Um, but I, again, this is not, we're, we're, I think the thing we have to realize when we're talking about draft stock too is we're basing it off guys' measurables, the tape that we've watched, but what we can't tell is guys' work ethics. Mm -hmm. I think we we say that every single year of this guy has, I mean, unlimited untapped potential, but how much is it going to translate to the NBA level? Is he going to you know work to that level that he can really maximize his potential? I don't think Jalen Suggs has that level of potential because of his lack of length, because of his lack of size. But he still could be a very good NBA player. I think he's a safer pick than some of these guys that we'll have next. 
but I also think his floor or his ceiling is definitely decreased, I guess, from what theirs is. And that's, uh, that's kind of one of the things why I picked him at four. Like he does a lot of things great and he's just that three point ball away from being great. Right. Yeah. If he gets that down. It's... And that's, I think is one of the easiest things for players coming out of college to sure yeah. work on develop is that, the jumper right and i think one one of the only things that you can do by yourself yeah and i think one thing that we didn't touch on that's that's big to note and why i think that was a really good pick is kyle lowry's on his way out Mm -hmm. kyle lowry's on his way out there they have a guard spot to fill they have pascal siakam they've got i mean maybe (laughs) we've heard a lot of trade rumors and (laughs) he's had some i guess evidently some planning to have but they're planning on having him um They've got they've got a good core. I mean, this core isn't all that far that far off from winning a championship. Yeah, they lost Kawhi. I get that, but point being is they're a couple players away from really making their mark on the league again. I think, and Suggs could fill that role of Kyle Lowry, obviously to a different degree and a different set of skill set. Um, but I think that's a great pick. They have a hole to fill there, and I think that's a great pick for sure. I have a little bit of concern, but again, we're we're I mean we're picking hairs here. We're splitting hairs. Mm-hmm. So this is the one I want to hear. Okay. This pick, fifth. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear this one. Well, it's your pick. Oh, it is my pick. Oh <laughs> shit! It's well, your okay, pick. Okay, so. I'm excited for it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have two guys that I really like in this range, and I'm I'm kind of nervous that I think one I of know you guys, who yours is going to be. I, I'm kind of nervous that one of you guys might like the other one. <laughs> Well, you got to go who you think the team would pick, not base it out who we would or who we're going to pick next. Yeah, I know. I got to pick it like what I would do personally, but I feel like when you're drafting, even in the NBA, if you have picks five and eight, especially having picks five and eight, like yeah, you said, you're you considering who, the, who could get back to you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's kind of a rare scenario because I, I have Orlando at five and I have and Orlando. And your at next eight. pick will be eight. Yep. Sure. I got to go with my boy. So I'm going to go with James Booknight. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So <laughs> so you you talk I, him up here. We'll, 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 we'll fill he's in. He's my guy. After. I actually, I've been on his jock for probably <laughs> a month or so. And he just, he had a bunch of workouts with teams. And he apparently shot the lights out. Like, and, and now it, he's his stock rose incredibly. And let me jump in real quick here. I think... A big thing to kind of consider here is when you're when you're watching guys or when you're looking up pre-draft stuff. If this is something that you're actually getting into, don't just look at the stats. This guy, what did he average? Twenty nine percent, I think, from three yeah. in this season. He, but his but he his, the, the his freshman season and his freshman season, he averaged thirty four percent. Yeah. So it, he has when you watch him shoot, he has the tools to do it. He just took a lot of contested shots. He. You have to factor that in. He wasn't a three and D guy, um, like Corey Kispert. You know what I mean? Like, right. like his twenty nine looks ball shooting. Yeah, and it looks. I don't want to say it looks as good, but his twenty nine. If Corey Kispert was taking the shots that he took, he wouldn't be at yeah, forty four. Let's put it that way. That, no. So go ahead, though. I just wanted to make that point. Sure. So I mean, elite first step, pull up shooting stroke is lights out. I mean, you can watch the film and see that it's there. It reminds me so much of Zach Levine, who's just really had a big couple years here the last last few. 
I think maybe his probably his biggest downfall is like he could be a liability. He's kind of thinner, got a thinner frame like Levine does. But I think paired with another defensive guard, I think he could be really good. And they, they have some good guards in Orlando, so I was kind of reluctant to do this. But I think I just can't pass up on him. I, like, I just really think if there's a guy in this range that's going to blow up, I think it's him. That would be a deadly combo, Cole Anthony and <laughs> James Bocanet. Yeah, I th- yeah. The big thing, scary. We've talked about this. I watched a uh, a little bit of film, like a month, month and a half back, and I liked a lot of what I saw from Book sure. Night. I watched more and more film, and I became less and less high on him. And again, it's not to say that he's not going to be a good player. I saw a lot of what you saw. I saw that Levine. Yeah. I think. The big things that are concerning to me is I just don't know where he fits on an NBA roster. I don't think he fits. I don't think he has the playmaking to play the one, and I don't sure. think he has the catch and shoot ability to play at the two. And again, this is all. This is all. Yeah. T- he took a lot of tough shots, but he shot eight of thirty-seven on catch and shoot jumpers this last season. That's just not a click that I'm like, yeah. okay, this guy at the two could be really deadly. I do think those numbers are deflated from what they should be i totally agree with you on that i just wish i would have saw a little bit more because this is a guy he averaged when he was a freshman 1.3 assists to 1.8 turnovers per game as a sophomore he averaged 1.8 assists to 2.8 turnovers a game i didn't see hardly any flashes of him showing potential as a passer and i think like will you said three pointing three point shooting is one of those areas that you can really pick up at the NBA level. I don't think court vision is. I don't think vision right. is is a, is a thing that you can really I think a develop. big factor of that, though, is teammates around you and confidence in the teammates around you. I'm not saying those guys are horrible, but when, when you play on a team where you feel like you're – it's like playing at the YMCA and you're playing with a bunch of eighth graders. You know, you, you feel like, man, I got to pop off. <laughs> I, I kinda, you know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. I think, though, like a guy that we'll mention a little bit later, so I don't want to spoil that, but Io DeSumo showed me a lot of flasher, flashes as a passer. Like when you watch his film as a passer, he was making some incredible passes. I never saw any of that from Book Knight, and that's what worries me. I just don't know. I don't think that playmaking is something that comes easy. I think a point, though, where you got to – you just it's just the skill level and the ability to get your own shots off like Levine mm-hmm. Levine even at UCLA like he wasn't elite at anything but he showed a lot of flashes showed a lot of athleticism yeah his athleticism i mean is and, top, and the shooting top stroke shooting. wasn't there at that point either like percentage wise here's who but i i want but sometimes it just takes a year or two for these guys to just develop that yeah, and I, I mean, the measurables are all there for Book Knight, and the fact that he went to workouts and was lights out, I don't know. That just tells me that he could definitely be a spot up shooter. For sure. Here's what I think. One of the big things I I have here noted for him is he's a scorer, but he's not an elite shooter. But I think he has the fundamentals to be an elite shooter. Yeah. He's not an elite shooter yet, but I think like everything's there for him to be an elite shooter. I think he's better suited for the two-guard position, which makes sense for Orlando. Like Will said, they have Cole Anthony there. Here's one 
that I saw a little bit and I went back and, and did a little check-in because I didn't see any comparisons to this guy, but I just kind of want to see, I want to test you because this has been your guy for a long time. You've told me about it. You told <laughs> me, I mean, months ago, yeah, you gotta, you gotta watch more in like of this the guy. Fifteen twenty range at the time. Yeah, but the, my point and is, you've been on, you've been on him yeah. for a while. So I want to see. You've watched probably more film than than most on James Booknight. Sure. One guy that I saw in the film that I watched was John Wall without the vision. I think he has that jump shot, and again, he's a better shooter for sure. Better shooter lacks that vision, but the athleticism. And I think when you go back and you look at his shooting clicks in college too, similar. John Wall did some of the similar things. But I think when you factor in that athleticism, he was a pretty good ball handler. Book night, I mean, there were times, again, he got himself into trouble, over-dribbled maybe a little bit in that Suggs realm that I was talking about. Yeah. But I think I, I see that that athleticism yeah. that I see in a guy like John Wall. I just don't think he has that vision yeah. And I think he could be a high-level shooter. Obviously, they're different players, but that's a guy that I saw some flashes of when I was watching his sure. tape. I was like, man, that yeah, reminds me just, of somebody. Some guys just got that you know, electric first step and just get up yes. at the rim. and his fir- Yeah, vertical. exactly. It's just, and it just kind of reminds you of guys for sure. I didn't watch very much tape on James Booknight, but the little I did, you just turn the tape on and you say, man, that guy's a dog. Yeah. No, he's... Just got it. I think he's a guy too. I the highest I saw him was in the past day or two. I saw him go at six, which is crazy because you like like I said, you've been you've been talking him up for a long time. So I like it. I like yeah. that. Uh, I like. I just that don't want him there. to not get back to me. I think that's a guy more so than the other guy that I would regret it. And and I think a big thing without you know dragging this out too long here. I think a big thing that, to factor in with this draft class. I don't think it's as top heavy as a lot of people thought it was, but I think it's deeper than a lot of people thought it was. Yeah. There's a lot of talent that could come back to you. A lot of talent that could come back to you. Yeah. So I've got the next pick here. And this is this is a tough one for me. This is a tough one for me. I've got OKC. And I'm kinda I kinda want to pick I know who your next pick's gonna be. I I'm pretty sure I know who your pick's gonna be at eight. You don't know. And I should say it. Just <laughs> I should just say it. Another guy that you've been high on for a while, Michigan guy. I'm not telling you. Okay, anything. yeah, we'll see. Um, I think though, because of where they're at in their development, OKC, I think it makes sense first for them to trade up. I think that 100 percent would make sense. But okay. I think a guy that you don't like a lot, and I totally understand everything that you're saying about him. I think a guy that would make sense for them though would be a guy like Scotty Barnes. Oh, okay. I think it would be, I was kind of between Jonathan Kaminga and Scotty Barnes, and they're both kind of like, you know, subpar shooters, but they've shown flashes. And I think they have, they both have the physical traits to be, they're project players. Let's put it that way. We're getting into this, the point here where it be, it's starting to become more project players. I'm not saying every single guy that from here on out is a project player, but this is a guy that a hundred percent is probably going to take some time to develop. Yeah. And I think, but I think yes, if there's, upset. what was that? Well, I was just going to say you, at this point you have, you have to shoot for the upside. And, right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And, 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 and okay, what better team to do it than OKC. So Scotty Barnes, just to kind of set the, set the slate here. He's a six foot eight guy, 
225, 7'3 wingspan. I mean, just just that alone, yeah. you're like, all right, you know, makes the hairs on the really, back of your neck. Like, and you watch, when you watch him play defensively, you can really see what people fall in love with. Like, yeah. The, and, the ability to guard. I mean, there's lots of film of him switching on pick and rolls where he just takes a guard. Yeah. Like, at that size, to be mobile enough and be able to move laterally that quick with that wingspan, like, damn, he, there's a there's a real chance that if he's, you know, if he works at it, he could guard one through five in the NBA. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I mean, good finisher, good hustle, length to be a real mismatch, and I think he could, honestly, he could guard, this is my problem with Suggs, was that he could only guard one or two positions. I think he could guard one through five. You don't want him to be, you know, you're probably not going to want him to guard one through five, yeah. but he's got the length. It's tougher as a guard, to though, to be honest. Oh, for sure, 100%. I, I mean, if you can guard two positions as a point guard, uh, that's that's pretty good. Even 100%. But, but my big, obviously the big con for him, poor shooter. He was 27.5% mm-hmm. from, from deep, 62% from the stripe. And he's not really fluid. He kind of has, to me, he his jump shot just looked unnatural. His jump shot didn't look smooth, fluid. Right doesn't look like a natural jump shot. So that kind of makes me a little scared for his his future. But again, I mean, we've seen guys, obviously, again, point guard talk here, but Lonzo has completely switched his jump shot up. When he came into the league, everybody's like, he'll never be able to be effective with that shooting stroke. And he's completely switched it up since then. Point is, guys can change that. He only really looked supremely natural to me and fluid when he was driving the lane. And he took tough shots far too often. Um, Seemed like he kind of lacked feel for the game. But again, this is, we're talking upside here. I mean, it seems like I'm knocking this guy, but, but I'm talking, if you're factoring in measurables and timeline, OKC has the best opportunity here to draft a guy that they can develop. And I think this is a guy that could develop into something really special. If he puts the time in, if he has the work ethic, and if he has the ability to develop in that system. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I I do like Barnes, but I just don't like him as much as everybody else likes him. So in my notes, yeah. I, I said a lot of people are in love with his length and the ability to potentially guard one through five. Kind of what I said. <laughs> right. I feel like he has a long way to go before he has an impact offensively again, like what you said. And I said, I feel like Florida State, has a reputation for producing NBA talent, and it kind of is working in Barnes's favor a little bit. Like I think they they have a lot of guys that produce out of there. Which, well, Beasley, <laughs> which it, it's not. I mean, it's hard to knock that, but I think there's there is a sense that guys out of Florida State are better than they are at times, and that they also don't have to be elite at the time, but they can develop into that. I do kind of agree with, I think like Kentucky is one too, that kind of has had not as much, obviously this year now, but yeah, definitely a few years ago. Yeah. And I honestly, I'm not hating, but I have in my notes also, I just don't think he's a top six pick. But I think, where did he go? Six. Yeah. But five, six. Yeah. Six. But I, I mean, I have him ranked on my big board as 10. So, I mean, I'm not that far off. I, I just have two or three guys in front of me. I think one thing that really I I didn't like when I watched the the film of him is he played, like, the point forward way too often at Florida State. Yeah. He took the ball up way too much, 
and it seemed like it was just like more often than not he would be get the ball in transition and he'd just drive into the lane and he would play right. to his strength almost too much. He's not going to be able to do that at the NBA level. But again, this is a team. I mean, if we're taking bets right now on who the worst team in the league next year is, obviously they have Shea, and I'm not saying they're going to be. They really overperformed. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league. But if we're just looking at the roster that itself, there's a chance. There's a chance, yeah. and I think this is a team that needs to kind of swing for the fences. You can't in, in the draft at this point. You can't be cautious. You have to kind of swing for the fences. So I agree with you. I don't. Yeah, they have nothing to lose. Really, they're not. At, in a position where they really have playoff hopes for next year is what you're saying. So it's yep. like swing for the fences. You got multiple picks. Mm-hmm. If you're not trading up with the multiple picks, then swing for the fences. One of them hits, it's a big deal, you know. Yeah, for one sure. One of them misses and one of them hits, who cares? I think we've kind of set the table for him. I think we might as well move on. I think on the to... Thunder, I just want to say one thing. Yeah. I think yeah. the Thunder aren't playing for this year. Exactly. And obviously, That's, yep. And they're, He's 19 years old. He can sit for two or three years, develop. Develop, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, like you, I mean, just kind of piggybacking off that, they're playing for five years from now. Yeah. They're playing for five years from now. Shea, they're hoping, you know, is, is their long term fix at the point guard position, hoping he stays around for the long haul. They're playing for five years from now. They're not playing for this upcoming season. Um, yeah, I think I think it makes sense, but I do kind of agree. I see what you're saying, 100. percent Like if he completely busted, or if he was like everybody looked back, I think it would definitely. I I could see it. You could you not? You couldn't. No, I definitely could. He's one of those guys that, if he doesn't figure out his offensive game, could definitely. Yeah, my when, I guess when I say a bust too, we're talking the six pick here. I mean, we're like Jarek you know, Jared yeah, Culver, Culver like type. the thing is you, you swing for that upside, but my, I guess the big thing for me with being a bust too, is I think there's guys behind him that have as good of a shot to be elite right. at that next level. Right. Oh, for sure. But yeah. that's my, I guess that's my point when I say, I think he could be a bust, but he was my six pick. So, hopefully all right. Not. So hopefully not. <laughs> so will you, uh, you at number seven here, you got, uh, the warriors, the warriors. Oh, baby. Oof. And this is a tough if, pick. If if the Warriors hang on to it, we'll see. Right. Um, too. So I think that in this in this range, the Warriors only worked out like four players in this range that they have a chance of drafting, which would be Davian Mitchell, Keon Johnson, Moses Moody, and another Jalen Jalen Johnson. <laughs> uh, I think what the Golden State Warriors, when they were good, they were they had shooters and they had KD could had a, a lockdown D. So in my mind, Moses Moody is the best fit for the Warriors as a three and D. Yeah, and I, I just I like it. I here's the thing. This is this was gonna be there's a few guys in here that Henry and I specifically we're going to disagree on book night again, not saying that either we, we Mm -hmm. don't like any of these guys. I like Moses Moody. I think Henry's a little cool off on him, but let's go through the pros first rather than, you know, we will go, we'll go into the things that he's good at. This guy's six, six, two Oh five. He has a seven foot wingspan shot 36% from three, 81% from the stripe. 
his footwork is the thing that was big, that was impressive to me. He had a high level footwork. He was able to create his own shot very well. And I think he can be a three level scorer in, in the NBA. If he improves at his finishing around the rim, I think he can be a guy that, that he has the length and the skill set. He can drive, he can create those mid range shots for himself. And I think he projects as a high level three point shooter as well. And he has defensive upside. I love that pick, honestly. I think he's going to step into a role that he doesn't need to be the guy, but he can be a great role player. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it makes a hundred. Per- I think it makes total sense for them. They've got Draymond Green there. They drafted Wiseman last year, and I think they've kind of got that. They've set the stage for them as far as bigs are concerned. I think. Like you said, Will, they, they need to kind of go back to the well that made them the dynasty that they were. And even before KD was there, that was Clay Thompson. That was Seth Curry. Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Seth is the better brother, bro. Steph, Seth is the better brother. Bro, when we're talking historic three-point percentage, Seth, Seth's the guy. He is. But let's go into, uh, let's go into your yeah, rationale of in why you don't like him. I kind of set the stage of why I liked him. So... Honestly, I just like I just think the risk doesn't necessarily meet the reward. I just didn't see enough, and I watched actually a lot of games of him because I had a ESPN Plus or whatever it's called, and in those games, God, he just didn't he didn't pop off the screen, and I, I just I guess I just didn't see what was the big deal, but. I mean, you could talk me into it, especially with Golden State. Yeah, I think it like makes... that actually that actually makes a lot of sense. I had him ranked at 17, so I was really low on him. But I think most consensus probably has him between like seven and 13 ish. He's a lottery pick in most people's books. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I get it. I get why people would like him, but I guess he's just not. I I have multiple guys above him. But when you're talking fits, as in like potential three and D guys, like if he just focused on his shot and playing defense, I, mm-hmm. I mean, there's he might be a lock for that team. That might be a really good pick. But now, if you're talking about upside, I, I guess I don't know. Like I don't think he ever really blossoms into an all-star caliber player. Which is it's it's tough to say that about a young guy. You know, it's tough to shit on a young guy. But I just I don't see that. But when but in the three and D sense, and on that team, I think it it could be a really really good fit. And I, I I'm glad you touched on it too of the risk versus reward thing, and it making sense for Golden State. They don't need to take a really risky pick here. They're not in the development. Right. They're not in the I need to build a player state. They're right. in the state that they need to just increase their depth. Right. And what better guy to sit behind, or what better two to sit behind, than Curry. And Clay. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, I think it makes a lot of sense to increase their depth, especially at that position. Yeah. I don't think they need to take a, a highly risky pick. And I, and again, kind of touching on what you said, Will, I think it would make sense for them to either package those picks up, see if they can move up a little bit, mm-hmm. see what they can do. They, they're they're at a luxury of they're by far the best team in this top seven picks. Right. Bar, I mean, bar none. They've got mm-hmm. a champ up. Uh, a championship contending roster without these two picks. Right. So if they can trade them for veteran assets or to move up in the draft, I think it makes sense. But they don't need a big risk guy. 
But I do agree with what you're saying. I think if it was a different team making this pick, then I would be a little bit more, you know, I'd probably be a little cooler on it then. Sure. Right. Is the uh, NBA comparison that I had, I had written down was Chris Middleton. But now that I'm going back and thinking like the Warriors are past, the Warriors were very good when they had, uh, I can't remember his name now, uh, Singleton? No. I think with the Middleton thing, just to touch on that too, I, the one thing I will say outside of, you know, physical characteristics too, but his ability to, to create shots. And I also think in that role, Middleton's always been like the second or third fiddle. He's never been like a guy that demands the ball, but he's a guy that can create his own shots and he's a difficult shot maker. I think Moody definitely, as far as that's concerned, kind of fits that mesh. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to say on Moody? You know what? I, I want to say this, though. Chris Middleton was a second-round pick. So, I mean, that really tells you where, like, a guy in that range can project in the future. So, I mean, I don't think that's a bad comparison, especially saying, uh, like, I'm over here shitting on him, but there's a real chance that you develop into a 3 and D player and then you progress past that. Yeah. The player I was thinking of was Sean Livingston. Oh, Sean Livingston, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. He's got that same he, type of length and yeah. like a high. And I can see length. the. I do like. I can that. see I like the Warriors game. giving Moody the, maybe not necessarily point guard position, but Sean Livingston came in and he kind of ran the floor like Curry be off ball more. Sure, and he was kind of like a second unit leader. On yep. that. Yeah. Yeah. He had size; he could guard. Right. One, yeah, two, he three was actually these. a good yeah. fit for them. Mm-hmm. So let's see. So. With that being said, I think we got to go into your eighth pick, back to back Orlando. I mean, picks. this one was kind of foreshadowed a little bit because Tristan gave it away. <laughs> I told which you, which is kind of effed up. But <laughs> I'm in love with Franz Wagner, elite shooter, and I think he's way more athletic and better defensively than scouts give him credit for. I'm not sure why that is. Like he's literally playing every single day he played on the best player on their team. And so although his, maybe his upside isn't elite, I think on most teams he would be a huge fit. I think he's got one of the most pure shooting strokes in the draft, and all of his other skill sets are above average. So I think on that team especially, like they could use shooting, and, it, and if you throw in Booknight and Wagner, I think, God, you got to... I mean, that's, you got a, a chance. Strong too. Yeah, you got a chance for a elite scorer and then a three and D potential guy, and then you throw that with Isaac and uh, Cole Anthony, and you know they got an abundance of guards. But I think that's like a really good start to a you know a potential contender in five years. Yeah. No, I agree. Do you think? Do you see him more as a three position? You, you see him more small forward role. I would forward. say so, but yeah, he could definitely play four in like a small ball. Yeah, that's kind of what I saw him as too, yeah. and, I, and I agree. Like, I like Franz. I like him a lot. Yeah, I like his his outlook, and I think it makes a lot of sense for that team. Yeah, they're a team that wouldn't surprise me no matter where they went. I could see them going like a oh, right. a Kuminga, you know, or some right. some guy that has upside because right. they they're again. I mean, the yeah. only guy that they're maybe trying to avoid with their picks is Isaac. I would think. Yeah. 
Like I think he's kind Isaac's of, the one lock where granted he's he's had an injury history, but, but I mean the thing about him too is he can play kind of multiple positions and guard multiple positions. So it's not and he can shoot. So I mean he kind of just fits any roster you put out there. So I mean realistically they're kind of in the ballpark where they can just draft best available. Yeah. I think another guy that would make sense for them there, and I know he's kind of dropped, and I just want to touch on this because I think in that similar position, he's kind of dropped since he he left Duke. I think Jalen Johnson makes some sense for them there sure. too. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he's a guy that his values dropped, like I said, since he left Duke. I th- when coming into like when you look back at what scouts were saying, early mock drafts and everything, it seemed like Jalen Johnson was like a top five, top six consensus. Yeah, I I, don't, I feel like. NBA teams aren't as cold on him as maybe like the media is. That's my my opinion. And again, I, maybe it's just because I'm a little bit higher on Jalen Johnson. Yeah. I think that's a guy that could fit there too. But I agree. I, I think I think Franz is a great pick. I don't want to get too crazy into Jalen Johnson quite yet because I think he's probably going to make this mock. You know what I mean? So oh, for sure. But I mean, uh, yeah, that he, for he might sure make the next be, pick. <laughs> yeah, he he for sure could have been a good fit there. I was yeah. really worried about Will picking Franz at seven because I, I think that would have also been a good fit yeah. just because of the shooting. To but, me, this is where but he, he's going. Woody is probably projected as a better defensive player, which might be more of a need for them in the current <laughs> state of their team. So I, I definitely makes sense to go Moody there, I think. Yeah. For me... I've got the next pick here. We're going. Sacktown. We're talking. Yeah, we're talking Sacktown now. I kind of, I kind of showed my hand here. Oh no! I'm going Jalen Johnson. Oh no! <laughs> I'm going Jalen Johnson, <laughs> and it might be earlier than people want. Here's the big thing for me: they've got Fox, they've got, they've got healed, they've got offensive scores at the wing position. They've got still. I mean, as of now, they've got Marvin Bagley. The thing that they're missing in my opinion, is is that scoring three. And I think Jalen Johnson mm-hmm. could sure. be a guy that really takes a step into that next level. And we saw flashes of it when he was at Duke for oh, the half he, season. I mean, yeah. he, he's a he's a high-level scorer, and I think it I think it makes sense for that team. They've got the pieces there. They're at a they're at a different timeline than a lot of these other teams because they've have De'Aaron Fox there. They still have Buddy Heald. They have Marvin Bagley. They've got some guys that may be disappointed a little bit, but they've still got they've got a roster that I feel like they want a guy to step in sooner rather than later. I think Jalen Johnson would be a great guy that's what third fiddle or whatever on that team. And he can still develop into a solid player going forward. No and definitely I think he could play a little bit of that point forward. Type two. I mean, he's definitely got better handles than most guys his size and like play style. He knows how to use his body well. He actually made it further than my big board. I had him at eight, so I think you got him at nine here. Yeah. So he was definitely on my list for guys that I I was looking at, and I kind of showed my hand a little bit, but I think you were going there either way. I think, uh, you know. I think one of the biggest reasons that he kind of dropped on boards is leaving Duke and kind of the way it happened, you know? Yeah. And are you a little worried with the Kings taking that pick and they got D 
diva Marvin Bagley and his diva dad. Are you a little worried? <laughs> the thing is... And they also play kind of similar positions. I think you could definitely put Jalen Johnson at three. But I could definitely see something blossoming there where it's a problem. And then you just... Sh- sh- and you probably just shit Bagley out, but... Yeah, I think from Jalen Johnson's perspective, I do... It, it's it's a black eye on his resume. Let's yeah. put it that I, I There's no taking that away. But I do think when you factor in the risk versus reward of playing NCAA basketball, Duke was way worse than we thought they were going to be going into the year. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty right. sure when he realized the fact that this isn't going to be a team that, that vies for an NCAA championship, coupled with everything in the world that was going on, and who knows if we were even going to have a March Madness and all this other stuff. Right. I don't think the risk for him of playing that rest of that season, getting hurt and really plummeting down draft boards or having to come back for another year made a lot of sense for him personally. Yeah. I, that's why I'm I'm okay with it. I don't think he's as much of a diva as a guy like Buddy Heald. I don't either. Personally. But yeah, I do see I do they see two divas there. I forgot about Buddy. <laughs> but I do see why you'd say that. I hundred percent can see why yeah. like where you're coming from. He shot 44%, and granted, he only shot 18 threes, but what did he play? I mean, he only played yeah. half, a, half a season. Right. He His three-point shooting isn't his greatest asset, but he showed that he can do it. 44%, even though it's on 18 attempts, it's a pretty right. good click. I, I just like the way that he, he projects, and I think a guy that he kind of reminded me of when I watched tape on him, and again, we, we have a small amount of tape, in his collegiate performance because he only played a, he played a shortened season, but he kind of reminds me of that, that ability of like a TJ Warren where he could be a solid level shooter and <laughs> TJ Warren. I mean, I feel like he was kind of slept on until the past couple of years when he really took over. Um, as far as that's concerned, I, I just, I like that pick for him. I think it's a pick, a, a position of need. And I think he's a guy that has higher upside than a lot of media wants to put on him especially with where he's been mocked. Yeah, in my notes I have, later on he could be looked at as a steal if he makes it into the late lottery, but I don't think he will. So I'm kind of right there with you. All right, well, I feel like we kind of... Well, what do you think about the diva thing? I got to hear hmm. you. Because you... Do you think... You know Bagley's kind of a diva. Yeah, compared buddy. Compared to, like, his... Rap skill. His, he's a godly rapper. <laughs> if you haven't heard Marvin Bagley rap, go look it up. He is him or Dame. Moon. You have to have one on your playlist, him or Dame. Yeah. Oh, I'm a Dame Bagley. Guy. Damn, I'm going Dame. No. Are you, oh, Bagley you going Dame? cold. I'm going, I'm going. Didn't they have like a rap battle between each other edit. or something? Yeah, we should do an edit at the end of this and then throw Bagley's rap <laughs> first at the end. <laughs> so... I, I don't know. Well, I guess the big question, Will, is do you think basically him leaving Duke, do you see that as him being a diva or do you kind of agree more with what I no, said? No, I, I agree with you because just like everybody else in the world, we didn't know what was going on early this year. And, and him getting hurt. He, it was risk. Exactly. Reward. Him getting hurt and, does a lot worse than him playing a season and he's like, all right, I don't know. I just feel like... He knew he was going to be a lottery pick, and at worst mm-hmm. he gets hurt, and then he's you know maybe out of the first round or late first, or he has to go back to school. So, mm-hmm. um, that being said, Will, you're on the clock. You've got the tenth pick, and the Pelicans. In this pick, 
It's probably going to shock some people. Oh. <laughs> I like the shock. Yeah, this like this might be too. a little reach, but I think the fit is there. And I think the Pelicans, you know, this is Zion's team. They let him rumble down low. We need to support him with some shooters, okay? Yeah, I think I like Corey Kisper is um, the best shooter in the draft. Henry might not think so, but... No, I mean, you can definitely make a legit argument, and he's proved it. I mean, it, there's no mm-hmm. question marks on his shooting stroke at this point. And I think if you put Zion at the five at times, put Kisper at the four, because he's big enough. He can he can rebound, and he can... Six, seven. I mean, he's a yeah. big... He's a... I know it's crazy. We're talking Cade Cunningham's a big po- a big point guard at six seven, but six seven's mm-hmm. a a reasonable size small forward, right? And a lot and of I'm, a lot of lineups that you play around a guy that's as physical as Zion, mm-hmm. you run four out on the perimeter and one inside. And mm-hmm. Zion's definitely the guy inside, so I could definitely see him playing the four in a in a small four out one in lineup, and then if they have I think they still have Adams on their team. If they have yeah. him and Adams, then I mean he can play the three easy too. Yeah, I, I just think uh, Zion's best friend at this time is going to be shooters and oh, sure. people who can give him the ball. And in my opinion, Corey Kispert is best shooter and not not that bad of a rebounder or passer. So I think the fit is there. No, I think that's a great pick actually. Like I, I was kind of curious where you would go with that because. There's kind of a guy that, in my opinion, has slid, but I don't think he would be a very good fit on that team. I think I know who you're talking, but I, I want to switch it just quickly. Yeah. How do you think Kai Jones would fit there? Do you see the fit? Do you not see the fit? It you would you, I mean, when you make that pick, Zion's your four. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're kind of – I don't think they're at like a – I think Kai Jones is More. a freak. And I, but I think he might be kind of like Jonathan Isaac was, you know, just like a couple year project. But I mean, I could see it for sure. But I I honestly, I think I would prefer Will's pick, which is kind of surprising. I like, I I like his, yeah. (laughs) No, no. I don't mean because you, I just mean because I, I have Kispert at 16 on mine, but it kind of like it makes sense specifically with that roster construction and how you'd want to build around Zion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's a team that I bet you if you look at a lot of mocks, they're going shooters. Like yeah. they might be going Franz or or Kispert. So I mean it makes a lot of sense. I, I like that pick. No, I do too. And honestly I think we kind of touched on everything. The big thing with him is obviously, you know, there's no no hiding it. He's a high level shooter. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where he's gonna make his money at the NBA level. Yeah, NBA comparison of uh, what do you guys think he compares well to? Hmm. I think in Joe Harris is what I'm thinking. That's a good. I think he's a little bit bigger than Joe, and like he probably plays a little bit bigger than Joe. I know him on a first name basis. (laughs) Joe who? Um, Joe. (laughs) Bad joke. (laughs) Get the. (laughs) No, I like it. I like it. I, I think that that pick makes a lot of sense. I uh, I was kind of curious where you were going to, but I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think we're getting in towards the end of the lottery here. Now we're starting to get more project players. Kispert's a guy that slots in. He's not a project player. He's an immediate fix at that position. 
and he's obviously such a high level shooter like you said they need to to couple him with high level shooters i think I mean, it makes a lot of sense um going forward you got the 11 pick hank and you've got uh you charlotte i think you guys kind of made it easy on me to be honest but i don't want to jump the gun but i think you know it'd be a really fun pairing to go with Giddy here, but I'm not gonna do it. I think <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with Kaminga because he just he's falling too far. It's kind of getting out of control at this point. But crazy quickness and speed for his frame. Um, I mean, he's got a long way to go as a shooter, as you saw in the G League. You know, it's kind of brick shit, but I think he could be a two-way monster. In the NBA, at this pick, it's a steal. I mean, when yeah, you're when you're looking at upside, I I don't think he fares as well as a top five pick as you would here. Like here, it it look it seems to me like he's a steal at this pick. Yeah, I I'm a little bit worried about like roster construction, like with you know where is he gonna fit in with Washington, Hayward, Bridges, you know they kind of have a lot of guys at that small forward slash power forward position. But I think it's just like, it's one of those picks that you just got to make at this point. It'd be fun to get a rim runner too, like Kai Jones. But I think Kaminga is just too, too high of upside and too valuable of a pick in, at this range. Yeah. I Lamella to Kai Jones would be kind of sick though. I know. And, and that's, that's a guy, uh, I'm kind of monitoring seeing like if I'm if I'm a GM, he's a guy I'm monitoring because oh, yeah. I think I think we'll we'll talk about him here shortly. But I think he's gonna be he has potential to be a really good player at the NBA level. Right. And I have the next pick and it's the Spurs. And old Greg Popovich. We'll see uh <laughs> I don't know that this is a pick that they would make. But I like Kai Jones there. I like that fit there. I think he's a guy that, again, he's a little bit of a project. I don't think this is a team, though, that is going to be contending in the next couple of years. I think they're a team. I mean, they've got an aging DeMar DeRozan. I think he might be on his way out. And I think they're going to kind of need to start from scratch to some degree. I think this is this is going to be a, a pick where they're kind of picking upside when you're talking like fundamentals and everything, it doesn't seem like a Greg Popovich player to me. He doesn't right. seem like a Popovich player to me. Who is your Popovich player if you had to pick one? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I honestly, I don't even know who who Popovich would be. He's is he's Giddy so maybe? out of left. Yeah, maybe. What about that uh, that big? I don't even know how to pronounce his name. It's like Sarupin or something. He's like a Turkish, that Turkish center. Anyway, he's. He's kind of one of those guys that I can see him going with. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's tough to say where he's going to – like, you never know where Pop's going to go. I mean, but they have have a good young slate of talent on their team. They've got Devin Vassell that they drafted last year, high-level shooter, 3 and D guy. And I honestly think Kai Jones is kind of – I don't want to say a 3 and D guy, but – he could be a high-level oh, shooter at really the NBA level. He's an, an athletic freak. I saw some similarities to, like, a Miles Turner in his game. Sure. Super athletic, has ability, has the ability to 
really take off at the next level if he doesn't have to be the guy. Yeah. And if you look at just his numbers, his stats, you're not going to be like overwhelmed. You're not going to be like, oh, my God, this guy's a steal. But I think, again, I talked about it earlier. This is kind of an overlooked thing when you when it comes to young talent of they have to stuff the stat sheet. We've seen time and time again guys that, I mean, Cat, when Cat came out of college, it wasn't like he was putting up 30 and 15 every yeah. single game. I think he's a guy that could really blossom at the NBA level. He's super athletic. He's a dog. He plays with a lot of athletic or a lot of athleticism and a lot of uh, he plays with with a lot of heart. I guess he plays right. the game hard, and he's he's a really high level shooter for what for the size that he possesses. Yeah, he plays with like a crazy amount of energy. That's like almost like too much energy. It's really Might wild. get hurt energy. <laughs> No, but I had my comparison as Jonathan Isaac. Kind of very similar, especially like at that age. I think he's a better shooter than Isaac. Yeah, but... but, I mean, Isaac's probably a better shooter now. But I see what you're saying. Like, at the time, for sure. Um, I just... I really liked his feel defensively, especially around the rim. You could tell his timing was on another level at the rim, meeting guys up in the air. Um... But I think he's a guy in a few years where people could be like, how the hell did he slide that far? Or he's a guy that you look at boards a few years from now and he's like, who the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he shot 38% from deep last year. And the size that he possesses, I, I just, a 6'11 guy that shoots close to 40%. And again, yeah. when we're talking 40%, the, the difference in NCAA, especially a guy like that, that isn't taking many threes he misses two or three more of those and he's low 30s probably like he's not taking right. a ton of threes right if you, if you take one year. or two a game and you play 30 games i mean you're only taking 60 shots so he he shot he shot 30 he took 34 threes last year so yeah. probably around one a game yeah. again i mean you take a couple off of that and he's you know everybody's looking at him like why is he going there you can see the strokes there and like it's not like they're lucky threes. I mean, you can see that he's got good arc on his shot. And, you know, it's not like some guys you watch them and it's just like a laser or like the shot for him looks fucked up. And you're like, yeah. that doesn't look like a very good shooter. And he shot 40. For sure. Like that makes sense. But I think that his 40 probably is more realistic than some other guys. So let's get into uh, last three here. And we're getting into the point where it's all just kind of preference now. <laughs> but, Will, you've got your last pick. You've got the Pacers. And this one I'm, I'm kind of curious on because they've got a good team. We're starting to get now middle of the first, late first, where we're getting into better teams that mm-hmm. could use, like, quicker fix guys rather than right. project guys. And I, I, if the Pacers can keep the team together here with Miles Turner's signed back or they don't – and I'm trading them, or yeah. I think uh, there's lineup, and they have a good lineup top to bottom. Missing yeah, really do. possibly if you consider Malcolm Brogdon one or two, but I think the best plug-in play they're going to compete in the East is going to be Davian Mitchell out of Baylor. Okay, he's an older. He's older, he's 22, but I think he's got the best day one 
fit for the Pacers and is a good point guard to go to run alongside Malcolm Brogdon. He can shoot. He can shoot at a, a touch, which the Pacer or the, yes, the Pacers are going to need DJ Warren to come back. Right. But oh, uh, I think that, I think that's a good pick, especially yeah. like defensively for. Like, I think it's kind of a roster that plays well defensively already, and he he can shoot at a good enough clip where <clears throat> I think he would fit right in with those guys. I yeah. think at, at this point in the mock, any team here is looking for that plug-and-play, and Davey Mitchell really fits anywhere. He's he's that type of player. Right. Yeah, I like it. I think where some mocks have him going, I'm just not as bullish on him. Like when he's going top eight, I'm not as big of a fan. Yeah. But when he's going late lottery, now we're talking a little bit different here. The guy shot almost 45% from deep. And, again, we're numbers you don't want to strictly base it off of. But I think he's he's going to be a good player at the next level. There's times when I saw him with the ball that it just looked uncomfortable. Like it was just uncomfortable mm-hmm. to watch. He was like a really – you saw – I mean, you watch some tape of him. He's a very aggressive dribbler. It just seems like he gets himself into trouble sometimes. But I don't think <laughs> at that on that team he's going to be called upon to really right. be like the primary ball handler. So I think it makes <laughs> sense for a team like that. No, for sure. So going forward, unless you have anything else to add on Davian Mitchell, you've got your last pick coming up here. Yeah, no, I I like Mitchell there. I think that's a good pick. Um, I mean, he locked up Suggs and Cunningham <clears throat> in their matchups. So, I mean, the defense is obviously there if you're locking up top five potential picks in your draft class. So, I mean, I don't think many people are questioning, like, his size, maybe like they do normally yeah. with guys his size, but... I think he's good, and I think that's a good fit, too, that the guy that he would be playing alongside in Brogdon is kind of, I mean, he's plays as he a point poor. guard, and he can play as an off guard, so it kind of fits his combo guard play style. For sure. So you've got your last pick, and we're talking sure. the Warriors. So keep in mind they've already went Moses Moody. Will picked Moses Moody for him. Yeah. So it's something to keep in mind. Yeah, I'm actually I'm gonna kind of go upside here, and I don't know if they would do this, but I feel the luxury myself, and I'm gonna go with Josh Giddy, which is kind of a dark horse, but I think he flashes freakish ability, but he's also very raw. I mean, he's done really well in the same league as Lamelo was in, and we saw how Lamelo panned out. Um, I think no matter what, though, it's a few years down the road. And I think they kind of are at the point where they have to start looking a little bit into the future, especially with the injuries that have happened to Curry and Clay. Um, I think I would use this pick personally as, you know, just a bit of a luxury and maybe try to build for the future and then just groom this guy behind two of the best shooters in the history of the NBA which is probably Giddy's biggest question mark. But, I mean, it's hard to believe that he wouldn't be at least an average shooter along those guys. Nobody's questioning Giddy's size. Nobody's questioning Giddy's passing ability. I think the biggest question marks are defense and and shooting. So, I, I mean, if he can figure those two things out, I think he could just be unreal. 
Yeah, I like it. I I think it I think it makes sense, especially given that situation. I think it's more likely than not. As I sit here, I think it's more likely than not that one or both of these picks get moved. So it's tough to really project. Right. It, obviously, yeah. it hasn't been done yet, so we have to just take it at face value. But it's tough to, for me to think that this team with this roster is going to bank on two rookies coming in and making a difference. I think they're likely to trade one or both of these picks. But I think given the fact that right now, as we sit here, they haven't, and they're we have to take it as they're p- making those two picks, I think that pick makes a ton of sense for sure, especially pairing Modi, Moses Moody early and with the roster that they have. I think it definitely makes sense. Right. So into the last pick here, and this one, again, we're basing this off what, what we would probably do. Mm-hmm. And th- I, I can't, I would be remiss to end this without talking about my guy. And this is a guy, he's going to be a project guy for sure. This is a guy that almost, if, they're, if they make this pick, I don't want to say it's, it's set in stone, but I think it makes sense for them to move either Russell, Beal, both possibly, and kind of just start from scratch. I'm going my guy Zaire Williams. I like it. I'm going my guy Zaire Williams, and he's 100% a project guy. He's not going to step in and be like a difference maker right away, but we're talking the 15th pick here. There's not going to be a ton of guys that are step in right away and make a huge difference and pilot this team into deep playoff contention, in my opinion. So I think with that being said, I have to go with a guy that I think has the highest upside available, and that's Zaire Williams. I mean, you look at, you watch the film on him, and to me, you just build physically. He looks to be like a Brandon Ingram style of guy. He's got that same style, that lanky build. When he was coming out of of high school, he was like a top three consensus. Everybody was super high on him. He's going to be the next big thing at the at the next level. And he didn't really play up to his potential. He shot 29% from deep. He took a lot of – he didn't look all that fluid. But I think the, the skills that he possesses – could pilot in. I mean, I think he could be a steal of this draft at that point. Right. I actually have in my notes, he reminds me of high school Jason Tatum. They kind of both have that same, like, they play very upright. Like, you see most players, they, they arch their back when they dribble, and, and but Tatum plays very upright, so, like, he pulls up, and he's, like, in the same stance as he is when he dribbles, oftentimes. So, that reminds me of Tatum. If he could build his upper torso and just get stronger and maybe utilize his length against smaller guards kind of in the way that like you said uh what's his name your comparison ingram oh yeah ingram yep the same way that ingram does on smaller guards like he he'll post up and he'll just do maybe turn around jumpers and you know finish around the rim if he can do that similarly to him and bulk up so that he can take advantage of that, I think that would be huge for him. Because if he if he's forced to stay on the perimeter, I think he's it's gonna be tough for him. So he for him to succeed, he really has to bulk up. And if he bulks up, he's probably gonna be good defensively as well. But I, th- I like the pick, especially where you're at here. I mean, that's one of those ones where you swing for the fences kind of and if you're gonna go rebuild 
which it kind of is seeming that way based off trade rumors and things. If you go rebuild, you might as well swing for the fences, go biggest upside at the 15th pick. And even if not, he's kind of like that Cam Reddish in a sense where it's it's a pick based on he doesn't he doesn't need to be the first string guy. He doesn't need to be the guy. If if they don't make that trade and they have Russell Westbrook and they have Bradley Beal still there, he doesn't need to be a guy that steps in. They they command him to be the guy going forward from day one. He can kind of sit back, develop, learn the ins and outs, and what better guy to kind of have around you than than probably one of the best shooters, not even probably, he definitely is one of the best shooters in the NBA in Brad Beal, and Russell Westbrook, who's one of the best passers in the entire NBA. And I think this kind of kind of goes into your, your book night comparison where when you look at the stats, his his numbers aren't as good as it seems like he'll project to me, I think he's a better shooter than he showed on tape. I think he, or than, than his numbers show. When you watch him on tape, he's, he seems like he could be a high-level scorer to me, and I think he could be a mismatch. He needs to put on some muscle. He needs to develop his game. He wasn't a great shooter. He took a lot of difficult shots. When you watch on tape, that's part of the reason why he's, his clicks were so low. But he just seems like like he's such a fluid shooter to me. He's got such a natural shooting stroke, and I think he could be at this point. Again, we're we're reaching for upside on some of these picks. I think he has easily the high one of the highest upsides left. Yeah. So I don't think I think it's a good fit, especially if obviously rebuild. I think he's somebody who can start a good franchise round. No, I agree. I, I think obviously you, you need some work on his end and you need some good player development, but he could be a really solid player going forward. And Brandon Ingram might be a little bit rich, but you remember when Brandon Ingram came out? I mean, there's right. a reason the Lakers traded him, and it's not because they didn't have faith in him. He wasn't, if you go back and look at the, the stats in the film, Brandon Ingram wasn't as dominant of a player years ago as he was as he is now he kind of came into his own when he got traded and showed that he's really he really is an elite player yeah so i think a few years down the road he could be that and that's how we're rounding out so any final final questions concerns anything uh any final notes here before we round this show up is there anybody you guys regret not picking or not getting in the lottery I think there's some guys that deserve to go there. I don't think, like, looking back, I don't think there's a lot of guys that I'm, like, mad I didn't pick. I think Keon Johnson could be a guy that that should go in the lottery. But where I when I was picking, it just didn't seem to make a lot of sense. I don't think if they keep Bradley Beal there, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for uh, for them to go, the Wizards to go there. I don't know that it makes a ton of sense for the Spurs to go there. So, like... It's tough for me to look back and say, man, I should have picked him there just because. Yeah. I kind of went based off fit and what I think I would do. So I, I I would say Keon Johnson's a guy, though, that I think could definitely go in the lottery. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I'd probably be more surprised if he if what happens today happens and he slips out of the lottery. Is there anybody for you? Honestly, no. I, I actually, of my top 15 big board, Fourteen of them went, so it was. Who, who was the other? Um, Io Desumo. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. So, and I think I, I had one person that I didn't have him in my top fifteen mock, but 
I wouldn't be surprised if he sneaks in to the back of the lottery and uh, Jared Butler. Oh, yeah. I just, I think he has that shoot for the fence upside that some of these teams are looking for at the end of the lottery. Yeah, I think if he didn't have the heart condition or whatever he's going yeah. through, I think that they said he probably he's would clear, be right. No, yeah, but... he's cleared. So, I mean, he more than likely, but I, I've got to think. From That's it. definitely affected his exactly. Stock. Right. I was gonna and say. like when you're when people have been making mocks for months, and mm-hmm. it's tough to move a guy up ten significantly, spots. right? Yeah. And I I do think, as sad as it is, I think there are certain teams that probably have him off their board because of it. Yeah. That's the only thing that I get. I think again he might be deserving of it, but it's the sad part is is there's probably some teams, especially that high up, that don't want to take that chance. Right. Even though he was cleared, I wouldn't be surprised I'm, though if draft night he went right around the fifteen range. Yeah, fifteen yeah. to twenty. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm just saying, like if you if you know nothing about the health condition, you turn the tape on. Oh yeah, he fits he's in this ball. caliber. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's uh, yes, that's sir. enough to round out a show here. We'll be having another one here coming up, talking a little bit more in depth about players. Not as much of a formal mock draft, but. We'll be touching on some guys that maybe we didn't touch on here, some sleepers, some of the guys that we think are overdrafted, overvalued maybe. Um, but I think that's good enough to round out this one here. So this is In the Nosebleeds. We're checking out until next time. See ya. Peace.